Well, good morning, everybody. If you could all turn your attention, put your eyes on the one and only Wesley DeShazer. He's going to read from us from the Gospel of Mark. Amen. For those of you that are standing, please remain standing for the rest of us. Let's join them in standing for the Word of God. Coming from the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, beginning at verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him, took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of the Lord, Mark 4, 35 through 41. You may be seated. Thank you so much, Wesley. Appreciate that. All right, we are in the Gospel of Mark, and if you're new here, one of the things we love to do is engage questions. And so uh, we talk faith, culture, and everything in between on Pastor Plex's podcast, so make sure you... Uh, Go to pastorplex.com and you can voicemail questions or you can call in at the number on the screen or text in. In fact, if I see you on your phone, I'll just assume you're texting me some amazing questions. Uh, so excited for that. Now, uh, we just got done with uh, Backyard Bible Club. Is anyone familiar with, did anyone else experience that with us? To have a couple of you guys out? Yeah, all right, several of you. And it was an incredible experience. We had an incredible team at our house uh, of teenagers who spent the week sharing the gospel. In fact, we had 45 kids at our house on Wednesday uh, for slip and slide, water balloon fights, and no one got injured or sent to the hospital. It was a really amazing day. So we were really excited about that and just had an incredible team of teens. Uh, and so this summer has been really, really fun. And this summer, I also got this nice t-shirt, okay? So I'm not sure if you can see this sweet t-shirt, but it says, nobody cares train harder. Uh, Brian Compton behind here, uh, he has a t-shirt business. And so he gave me this one and I was like, sweet. And my wife makes me wear it wherever I go because it fits nice is what she says. Uh, and I didn't realize that people really read t-shirts. Like, I mean, like people, people are really into this. We went and floated the river about a month ago month and change ago. And as I'm standing in line, uh, guys with a bunch of military tattoos came up to me and go, mm. 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 nice shirt. And I'm like, mm, thanks. That, that was like the entire, that's how, if, you, if you're familiar with the military, we speak in grunt. Uh, and so that was sort of how that went. And in fact, several people have been like, man, love that shirt. It's like, it's all the Jocko Willink people. Where are you guys at? They love this shirt. Like it's all about taking responsibility for your own stuff. Don't whine. If you're going to work out, don't cry about it. Nobody cares. If you don't show up to work, it's your own fault. Like stop whining. All right? There's a lot of good there in that. Uh, and so, and then I, I wore this uh, shirt. The, uh, the elders sent us to um, uh, a casino resort, which sounds weird when you say that out loud. It's not necessarily that we go and gamble, but it was just like the cheapest place where you can go do other things and just happens to be a casino there. Anyway, so I'm wearing this shirt there. And I don't know if you know this, there's a lot of sad people that go to the casino. Did you guys know this? And so I'm looking there and there's this guy and he's got this white floppy hat. And it's like, 
It's like the it's like mid morning. Like Adrian and I were gonna go get lunch somewhere cheaper than on the resort, so we were like leaving, and so uh, he was walking in and just the world had ended for him and, and like, he's just going to go back. And I just was like feeling chipper. And I'm like, Hey, how you doing? And he, I'll never forget, he looks up, looks at my shirt. And he goes, nobody cares. <laughs> and I was like, I, I just signed that guy up for depression. All right. Uh, and so I really felt convicted about my shirt. I was like, I didn't realize that that many people would be like influenced by it. And the reality is I think what happens with us when it comes to uh, engaging life, responding to life, we can respond in fear over faith when we think that nobody cares. In fact, when we think that God will not care. And I think that's kind of where uh, the sweet guy went in his head. We get, a, we get alone in our heads and we, we think about we have to work harder to get ourselves out of the mess that we've gotten ourselves in. I mean, like there's a real reality there that it just, it takes it beyond human responsibility to despair, okay? Or um, we respond in fear and not faith when we think God will, well, ask us to change. Uh, listen, isn't, this is where I feel like a lot of us go. You, you sort of stiff arm or you give, the, you give church the Heisman because you're like, I don't want God to ask me to start doing something or stop doing something. I like my life the way I like it. And if we can just keep everybody at a little bit of arm's length and I don't have to change, I don't have to move on. I don't have to kind of, I can stay who I am. In fact, why is every just accept me for who I am. But God loves you enough to accept you where you are, but loves you even more to not let you stay that way. And I think for a lot of us, we've gotten comfortable staying that way. Okay, last one. We respond in fear, not faith, when we think God will send us somewhere we don't want to go. Now, listen, I've actually been in this, I've felt this exact thing. When I was in the army, um, there's this thing called needs of the army, all right? So it's not like you're, you have like your list of places you would like to be stationed, and then there's like the last possible pick. And for me, that was like Camp Casey, Korea. You're right on the DMZ. There's not a lot to do other than nothing, all right? You sit in your room and just try not to get in trouble. That, that's sort of like your entire existence. And so um, I did go there and I, man, it was tough. All right, so what happens is I, I think that's what happens for us. We're like needs of the kingdom. I guess God's just like, if I accept Christ, if I get really involved in church, I'm gonna have to go do something I really don't wanna do. And to which it's sort of weird to say that because it's not like God has a recruiting problem. It's not like, it's like you know, gosh, I, I just don't know who I'm gonna get to with Siberia. Uh, I just don't know who, who, would, who would last in Africa. Well, got to send Chris because clearly his life isn't miserable enough. We need to give him a little extra punishment. Like, I feel like that's sort of how we are with God. And I don't want to get sent somewhere and do something where I'm just going to be miserable. And so we look at sort of sometimes following God almost like we're afraid of it. All right, so I want us to respond in faith. And so that's where we're going to go this morning is that the King of glory, Jesus, is going to invite us on an adventure with him. All right, so if you, don't have a Bible, there should be somewhere in your vicinity, there should be a Bible. And we're going to be on uh, page 839 to start. And uh, we're going to be asking the Lord to bless the reading and proclamation of his word. Would you guys mind praying with me? Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would bless it. I pray that as we, as we read it, there would be an opening of hearts 
so that when the word goes forward, it doesn't hit against a stone heart, but rather impacts a heart of flesh that can be conformed and transformed into your image. Jesus, do a work in me. Do a work in us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're on page 839 uh, in the Bible, either somewhere in your vicinity. And remember, if you don't have a Bible, this is our gift to you. We are in Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. Remember, Jesus has been in a boat teaching in parables, and then he wraps up his talk, and then he's going to move out. On that day, when, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. He's on the boat. Hey, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And leaving the crowd... They took him, they took with them in the boat, uh, took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him, which is sort of interesting. Like the crowd started like gets in the boat. They start to follow him. Where's Jesus going next? The paparazzi, it was painful. So what does Jesus do? He brings a great windstorm <laughs> and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now I, I want to make sure I remind you of who told the disciples to go to the other side of the water? Jesus. All right, good. Just make sure you're following along. It's like pop quiz in the middle. All right, so Jesus told them to go. Jesus said, go to the other side of the sea. Jesus also knows about windstorms. He kind of predict weather. In fact, he creates it. Now watch what happens. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. All right. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus, um, <clears throat> you're sleeping on the job. Jesus, no, 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 Jesus, get back. Jesus, wake up. All right, listen. What, this is, I feel like this is, Mark is so intentional. Jesus tells them to go across the, the Sea of Galilee. Then he takes a nap just to see how the disciples will respond. And they woke him and said to them something that you have probably said to God at some point. Teacher, don't you care? Do you not care? I mean, look, we're, we're getting right to Jesus' intentions here. You clearly don't care. Because if you cared, you would not let a storm come. You, don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you care that we're perishing? Has anybody ever said that before? Like you're, you're looking at your life and you're like, no, no, you don't understand. Why is this happening? Okay, watch. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Like it wasn't, there wasn't a big conjuring. Of, and mighty wind, we're going to ask you to stop. No, he didn't. He just goes, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Like kind of the calm where like you can see the ripples on the water. And you're like, it's a butterfly starting a storm in some other part of the, the world. Like this, this is that moment. This is that moment. Like everything's completely calm. And then he says to him, he challenges him, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? You've seen me like heal people. You've seen me call out demons. You've seen, this is not new to you. Like I'm in charge of wind. And they were filled with great fear. Now, so this is the, so why are you afraid? Their fear transitions from the storm to a great reverence and fear of Jesus. And said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? To which then this gets us to this, watch this. 
Jesus cares to still our fears and stop our storms with his word, which makes me want to just kind of edit my shirt. Can I do this? There we go. Jesus cares, all right? Jesus cares. And I feel like this, when you can understand that Jesus cares, it, it, it transforms everything. It transforms the way you work. It transforms the way you view the world. It transforms your relationship. So then it, if Jesus cares, then you're allowed to ask the question, why is this happening? In fact, God's word is really clear about this. Watch this. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God who gives generous at all. So when bad things happen, when the storm comes, you can ask why. And if you ask in faith, God will answer. But when you ask, this is verse six, you must believe and not doubt. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Notice the, where this comes from. Blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable, and all he does. So what happens is when the storm comes, we start blaming Jesus, which it's okay to blame. He's got wide shoulders to take the blame because you know he is in charge of the whole world. And then, but if you stop, because remember, he's brought the disciples into the storm to teach them something. Jesus brought you into the storm to teach you something. Um, I remember uh, for me um, being single, like in my 20s, and there was a moment, I was, I was in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I was renting a house. Uh, my roommate was in Bosnia and I'm just alone. And I'm like, just feeling alone. And I remember yelling kind of like in the house to sort of hear my own voice. You guys ever do this? Maybe this is me. God, what are you doing? Why am I so alone? Anybody been there? And that, that sort of like, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? The anxiety, the frustration, the fear, the if I don't, then you won't. And I really wish at that point I could have asked myself this question or asked God this question. Lord, what are you trying to teach me now? So that I don't have to do this again. And so I feel like this is, because remember, you're here, you're, you're here, and Jesus does care. So you're in a storm. You're in something. Remember, we all know this. You either just came out of the storm, you're in a storm, or you're about to go in a storm. We all know that. And that's just not preacher talk. That's just everybody knows some stress, something's going to happen. You're going to be like, you're going to say like, I wonder why this is happening. And then instead of just like wondering that loud and whining and complaining about it, go ask God. And in faith, go, what are you trying to teach me that I need to learn? What are you trying to teach me? No, so this is it. So when the marriage hits rock bottom and you're like, no, why is this happening? God, what are you trying to teach me? When you find out that your spouse is cheating on you, why is this happening? Why would you allow this to happen? Or uh, maybe there's a problem with your baby. Why would you, God, why would you allow this to happen? Or maybe there's a problem. There's a health issue or a job issue or a finance issue. Why is this happening? Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Because Jesus cares. And if you're following him, he's probably going to lead you through some storms so that you learn to fear him and not the storm. Because in a, Jesus can stop a storm. An email can come through and say, guess what? You're, you're the job you've accepted. You could have a Nigerian prince uh, die somewhere and he's going to leave you his inheritance. You know, anything can happen. 
<laughs> uh, the reality is that you have opportunities to that are avail. Like, listen, something could happen overnight, and you're just like, how is that even possible? Because God is in control of everything. Amen. All, right. All right. So if that's true, then what does that mean for us, and why do I resist it? Well, watch this. We're going to see why here in uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. So they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. If you're not familiar with the Gerasenes, it's just on the other side. It's not Jewish, it's Gentile land, okay? And when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, which is like a weird place for someone to meet you. Hi, I'm from the tombs. A man with an unclean spirit. Oh, he's demon-possessed. Great. You know, this is like the disciples like, you know, out of the frying pan and in the fire. Like, this is like, what is going on? I, I, we just got out of the storm. Now we're meeting the guy that just came out of the tombs. In fact, this guy is creepy. Watch this. He lived among the tombs and no one, this is what's crazy, and no one combined him, could bind him anymore, which I love that. It's like, ah, we tried binding him, but it didn't work. Not even with a chain. And truly, you're like, with a chain? What, who is this guy, the Hulk? In fact, you got to give more detail. For he had been, often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry, snap, and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. I mean, this is like, this is where Marvel gets their material. All right, so what happens is that here is the, the super strong Hulk dude. He's angry. He lives among the tombs. And then night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now, real quick. It's odd how when the enemy gets in your head, whether you're in the ancient Near East or you're in Austin, Texas, modern day, that crying out and cutting yourself is sort of, sort of still a thing. You know why people do that? Because they want to feel again. Life's become so hard. They've just gotten used to the pain so that pain is normal and so they don't feel emotion and so the physical response to that makes them feel like they can feel real again. Do you guys know that? And it gets addictive because the enemy is in their head doing all sorts of dark stuff. And when Jesus, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, uh, which I love this in the midst of someone cutting himself, the, the response to Jesus is like, oh, there, I'm running to you. Why? Well, we'll find out why. <laughs> and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God. Do not torment me. He runs because what you do when the king shows up, you go and you bow before him. If you acknowledge that there's a king, you run up to the king and then you say, please don't torment me because you're good. I'm evil. I know what I deserve and I know it's coming. And then watch. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So Jesus called the unclean spirit out of him. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And Jesus, it's not like Jesus didn't know his name. Jesus knows everything. It was for our benefit. And so G Legion just means like, um, the reason why it means many, uh, in the Roman army, a legion was 6,000 soldiers. So I don't know if that meant there's 6,000 demons in this guy, but there's a lot. And they were messing with this guy unbelievably. And then the demon, or demons, begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs. 
let us enter them. Like they're asking for permission because he is what? The king. So he does what a good king would do. He gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. That must have been a crazy thing to watch. You got the Hulk going, Hulk mad, me legion, you know, and then he commands them to come out and all of a sudden these, these demons go in the pigs and they're like, you know, it's just a pig. They're wallowing in mud, doing pig things. And all of a sudden they're, ah! and the whole herd just does like a swan dive off of a cliff and all drown in the sea. And everyone's like, the herdsmen fled. They weren't sticking around for that. And they told it in the city and in the country. I mean, they were going, they're the whole, that demons, no wonder. And now the, all our herd are dead. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And I love this. And they were afraid. They weren't like, wow, Jesus, you did it. We've been trying to tie that guy up for years. They're just like, oh, that's not good. Because don't we get comfortable with the guy in the tombs? That's Bob. He's in the tombs a lot. He hulks out every now and then. You just got to leave him alone. Just let him get it out. Uh, you know, don't try and fight him. Just, you know, you can't, you can't control him. You can only hope to contain him. That kind of stuff. Like that, that is, that was, that's Bob. He, he hangs out in the tombs and he's just angry a lot. Let's not go and change Bob. He, that, Bob, he was just born that way. We just need to leave Bob alone. Don't, don't bring your Jesus over here. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Hey, Jesus, that's enough. Thank you. Um, I don't know what you understand about economics over here on the east side, um, but we eat pig. And we aren't going to have bacon for a while. Thank you very much. And uh, this guy used to be really great at keep, keeping the tomb, you know, for tomb raiders a big problem. This guy made sure there was no tomb raiders. And so now, next thing you know, everyone's angry at Jesus. Isn't that odd? His righteousness, his holiness that did amazing things of healing brought everyone to be angry. And the people feared the change that Jesus brought. Now, I think this is what happens for a lot of us. We stiff arm Jesus. We don't want to get too close to the church, which is, did you know, that's the body of Christ. We don't want to get too close because when you get too close, the, it, the body of Christ starts to see things. And this is what you've always said. Get those church people are so judgmental. And what you may not know is that they actually love you enough. This is the part where nobody likes this, to call you to change. Because isn't it way easier to just go like, you do you. Cool. Listen, you're destroying your life. You're in that weird toxic relationship that we everybody in the building can see is not going to work. You're going to hate your life for the next 30, 40 years, but whatever, go for it. We've all done it. We've all seen it. We're all just like, well, I'd say something, but they're going to get angry at me. I remember when I was in seminary and uh, this pastor came and he, and he preached in, at, at our seminary chapel. And he was like, 
he was unlike anything I'd ever heard before from a pastor at a seminary. He was like, hey, you guys don't really want to come to my church because at my church, we're going to call out sin and we're going to love you enough to ask you to be conformed by, to Jesus. And I was like, what about grace? No, he said, that is grace. Grace is saying, I love you enough to walk you through the change that you desperately need. That's grace. Did you guys know that's what grace actually is? Grace is, you know what grace, you know what non-grace is? It's like, you do you. That's non-grace. That's like, I actually don't care about you at all. And what we kind of, what we do is we take um, not caring and we mistake it for grace and be like, we just accept everybody. We do, and we do. Because if you were to ask me, do I look more like Jesus now or 10 years ago? now or even last year. And if there is no change in you and you're not being conformed into the likeness of the son, there's something not right. And, and here's where we usually get stuck. It usually comes with relationship, right? I'm with my boyfriend, we're living together. And listen, I know, I know, I know. And I know what the Bible says and I know but you don't understand. Jesus and I have a deal. And we're like, okay. <laughs> I understand that you don't want to change. And every time you get close to the Jesus people, the ones that really love you, they're going to say, change. That's what people who love you do, right? No, if you love me, just accept me for who I am. That's been like the Gen Z motto. Just accept me. I'm not going to change and there's nothing you can do about it. That's just how it is. Now, listen, I love you. I love you. I, I love you enough to challenge you to change. Because here it is, especially let's just go toxic relationship world because this is usually where it ends. It's like you're getting a, an emotional leg amputated. You're like, no, I know that that leg is gangrene. I know that that leg's ultimately going to kill me, but I need it. It's like uh, the addiction. I need the thing that's killing me. I need, don't you understand? I need that. If you ask me to give that up, you don't know what you're asking. It's too hard. Oh, I guess Jesus doesn't really care. Listen, this is, the part of, this is the part of church nobody likes to hear, right? Because what? What happens, we fear the change that Jesus brought. I don't want to feel pain. I came to church to feel good. Well, here's the good news. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. But then he also said, if anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross, die daily and follow me. There, there is a, the comfort then is transformed into a sentness to be conformed, to be like Jesus. And then here's the good news. All things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Don't fear it. Embrace it. Take the change in faith so that when you're asking God, why is this happening? What are you calling me to do? Your response isn't, I just want to, I just want to do my thing because that's nowhere, nowhere in scripture. All right, everyone start looking at your shoes because that got awkward. All right, here we go. Keep going. So here's, watch this. So if Jesus is calling to change, what, what, what might be one of the things he's going to have us do? Well, watch. As he was getting the boat, I love this part. You got to imagine the scene. Jesus getting back in the boat because everyone just told him to leave. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might, I love this, be with him. Now, if there's any part of this where you're like, man, 
demon, like Steve Banner, come on, Jesus, take him. Take it like, like that. that was, this, is, this is your guy. Like he just got, this guy's gonna help your ministry. But Jesus is like, nah, he didn't permit him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And you could imagine what that would be like when the Hulk shows up at your house and everyone's like, nah, I don't know. Nah, I've seen what you did to chains. I've seen, like, you kind of just, there's like, there's three convenience stores that you've pillaged before. I'm not sure I really want you in my house. Uh, there'd be a fear for me of rejection, just a small one. But he went away, he obeyed the king, trusting him that he had good for him. And he began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that just means 10 cities that are all Gentile, how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Jesus calmed the demoniac's fear and sent him with purpose, which I really feel like this is what I, I love about this in the last one. Like we're going to be changed and then God's going to ask us to do stuff that's sort of hard. So Jesus cares, train faith. That's my new shirt. You can borrow it if you want. And so what, because the faith over fear is what we're really dealing with. And so naming the fear, what was the fear that Damani had? I'm not, you're not going to be with me. And so remember the, oddly, the great commission is like, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so that's the promise that Jesus goes with you. He's all everywhere you go. And so this guy takes that promise and goes and shares the hope of Jesus. And everyone is just, they can't deny that that was the Hulk about yesterday. And now he's the guy that is totally transformed in his right mind. And, and this is the part I want you to see. Jesus is sending you somewhere. In fact, uh, this past week, Jesus sent us to our neighbors, to our friends and family. And we asked all of our neighbors to come over to our house. And uh, it was so cool to watch um, the, the, all my son's friends that he walked to school with walk over to our house. In fact, one sweet boy, Landry, he would come up every, uh, at the end of as school was ending and Adrian was picking up Austin from school. He's a, a year older than Austin. And so he just comes straight to Adrian and goes, uh, Miss Adrian, when, when exactly is the backyard Bible club coming? I need to get the dates. It was so sweet. And he was there every week or every day excited about hearing something, something happening. He comes from a Jewish background and he's like, it's so interesting to hear about this thing of grace. And you know, what's also awesome about being on purpose is that uh, our church really believes in reaching our neighbors. In fact, uh, we have at our church, Luke and Jessica Mayo, and they uh, will go often on, on Thursday nights, just the apartment communities around here and to houses around here and knock on doors and just say, hey, is there anything we'd be praying for you about? We care about our neighborhood and we care about you. We're church people, all that. And usually what happens, people go, don't want any, no thank you. Not today, kids. You know, and that's the sort of the, the way that goes. And one day they came up to this, this woman's house, they knocked on the door and, they, and she actually opened it. And then, you know, who are you guys? And they say, hey, um, we're from church. Would you like to, you know, is there anything we can pray for you about? She's like, no, I'm good. Uh, and you know, the, the moment of like realizing it was one of those moments. Anyway, uh, Luke and Jessica give her a card. She takes it and just sits on it. 
to Luke and Jessica's knowledge, that, that was another failed attempt and whatever. But that girl, Sarah, she stared at that little invitation card. She had it for two months. She stared at it. And eventually, she came. And I asked her to write out her story. And this is what was going on in her heart from the side that as a person who didn't know Jesus, as a person that was invited to by a random couple, this is what she wrote. For a while, I've been experiencing loneliness and felt like there was something missing in my life. I would hang out and spend quality time with friends and with family and it just never felt enough. I felt like there was a hole inside me and I kept trying to fill it with external things and it always seemed to help short term, but then that short term satisfaction would disappear. And so I thought about that a lot. I was also feeling like I was just not being a good person that I wanted to be. I, I knew what to do to get there, but I was struggling on the how and the why. You can't get to your goal and goal until you start taking actions that lead you to get there. And I didn't know how I was going to get there. Also, you need to know your why. And I didn't necessarily know my why, future family, future spouse, after life. What's the purpose of me living and being a good person. So in this time, Jessica and Luke came knocking at my front door and I never have an unannounced visitor. So I was super confused and they looked just like a normal couple of people. <laughs> I love that line. I just, they looked normal. And then I opened the door and talked with them and I straight up told them I was not interested. And to be completely honest, if I had known that they're gonna be speaking to me about the gospel, I wouldn't have opened the door. But after that encounter, I thought about visiting WCC for about two months. And I thought maybe it's Jesus that I need to fill this hole of emptiness inside of me. Maybe he's trying to be within me and I just kept pushing him out to try, trying to find alternatives that are clearly not working. So I just told myself, just go. And if you don't like it or feel it wasn't the solution, well, at least you tried it and can rule that out. And she came. I remember she was sitting right over here and... Um, after the service, I introduced myself and I said, hey, this is Melanie. Melanie, you should get her number. <laughs> that may have happened to you before if you've been here for, any, for all of 10 minutes. And so Melanie did and they went and had coffee and she said, would you come? We're gonna do a little Bible study. Would you like to come be a part of that? Okay, I'd love to be a part of that. And then uh, Melanie got to lead her to faith in Christ and she accepted it. And now, yeah, you can clap for that. It's, it's so awesome. And she said, she wrote this, I began to see things in a new light and felt like some decisions, questions, or encounters are a little easier to make with a clearer view. I feel protected and safe. I now know God has got my back, which I know he always has, but to actually know it and believe it makes a world of a difference. I feel as if that emptiness that I previously felt has been filled whole now. It's almost like it's overflowing and I feel loved. I also started praying again, which I hadn't done in many, many years. I'm willing to bet there's somebody else here that feels like that. You're like, I want that. I want whatever that whole feeling is. I know I got a hole in my heart and it just feels, I'll, I'll fill it for a little bit. And maybe it's even you come here and you fill a hole up again. You fill a hole. You're like, yes, that's it. And then you leave and the week passes, and you're like, I need that feeling again. You come back and you're like, I feel whole. But then you leave and it goes away. And what I want you to know is not just a church experience that you need. It's you need Jesus. And I think what might be holding you back is this deal that we're looking of responding in fear. I don't want to be one of those Jesus weirdos. Like you people are crazy. 
or you respond in faith that will come what may. What is it we believe again? I don't know. All I know is that my emotions and my heart got tied up in what Jesus did for me on the cross and I'm all in. In fact, Sarah's here this morning and she's sitting right over here. Sarah, you have to raise your hand. She hates it when I do this. Made her do it last service too. And Sarah, so when are you going out to knock on doors? <laughs> we'll work on that. All right, we'll work on that. So what happens is that you respond in faith over fear. And so that's what we're saying. Jesus cares. We've got to train our faith. We gotta train our faith to step into situations where God's gonna ask us to change from the inside out. We have to step into situations where it's uncomfortable because there's somebody on the other side of a door. There's a Sarah somewhere saying, I don't even know what the solution is. And if somebody can sneak up on me, knock on the door, give me something to think about, I'll listen. And my hope is that we are gonna take the gospel outside of this building to a whole city that's sitting there going like, somebody, please tell me about Jesus. They don't know that's what they need, but they know whatever they got going on, it's not working. If you like what you're getting, just keep what you're doing, what you're doing. But if not, then maybe Jesus, come and see, taste and see the amount of amazing grace that Jesus will give you to take your faith to overcome your fear. Now, one of the ways we celebrate that we've overcome fear is we celebrate with taking communion together. You see, um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Your soul feeds on Jesus like your body feeds on this bread. That same night, Jesus took the cup, wood for wine, glass for grape juice. He said, this is my blood. We sing about the blood a lot. It's kind of creepy if you're not a Christian. But it means everything if you are. This will, this will bring tears to your eyes if you think about the blood that was shed for you to save you from the depths of hell, to bring you to eternal life. Then all of a sudden, every time you look at the blood, it's like a little emotional. But the night that Jesus betrayed, he said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. So we come and we sing and we take communion together because we remember what Jesus did. And if you're not a Christian, um, this Lord's Supper thing, this is what Christians do. This isn't for you. But if today's the day that somehow you stepped over that line of faith, you're now you're no longer be held back by fear and you're like, you're like Jesus, I'm gonna take this leap, then you come. And you take communion because what Jesus did is he, he gave his body for you. You feed on him. He is the bread of life for your soul. His blood was shed for you and you drink it because his blood took away your sin. If you are a Christian, before you come up here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about that thing that you're afraid of right now. No, no, the, the thing that you're like, no, no, you don't understand. I've got a lot of fear. I've got a lot of struggle. I've got a lot of heartache. I want you to think about whatever that thing is. And I want you to confess it to God before you come up here and take the Lord's Supper. That's what I want you to do. So we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask God to move. And I'm hoping that you would be bold enough today to step over whatever the fear is to engage Jesus to allow him to change you 
and to give you your great purpose. Pray with me. Father, I'm so moved by your spirit. I know, God, that you're doing something uh, special in this room. And I'm just, I, as I think about Sarah, I can't help but get emotional about it because if Luke and Jessica hadn't been bold enough uh, to go to her apartment, she might, may not be sitting here. And she'd still be sitting there trying to figure out how she was going to answer the, the problem of what's the purpose of my life? Why do I feel lonely? Why is there a hole in my soul? What is it? Perplexed. And she might just add to the confusion of her life by making poor decisions. But Lord, you've brought her in to a family of God that's going to lead her towards your righteousness and your grace and your mercy just because someone was bold enough to be rejected. Someone was bold enough to say, listen, uh, this may not mean anything to you, but it's meant a whole lot to me and I want to share it. So Jesus, would you take a Sarah that's sitting in here? Would you take him from death to life? Would you take a, a Luke or a Jessica who hasn't gone yet and would you put in their heart to go to their friends and family and share what has transformed them? And God, I'm praying that maybe somebody here who is not a Christian, they would simply say, um, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Sinned against you in my thoughts, my words, and my actions. Jesus, I, I beg that you would receive me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my heart and make me the person you want me to be. And Lord, you'd accept them, receive them. They come and take the Lord's Supper with us. And Father, I'm praying that for someone here that's gotten checked by fear, that right now as they would confess to you their fear and then you would help them respond in faith and then come forward and, and be reminded that their hope is not in their ability to work harder, but to work out their faith with fear and trembling. We worship you, Lord. We're asking you to do a movement this morning in our hearts change us, conform us to be like your son. In Jesus' name we pray. What man intended for evil, God intends for good. I love the fact that uh, Cody's dad, Marlon's here today. Uh, he was in a car accident last week, like had to be literally cut out of the vehicle. And he and all the kids that were with him were okay. And he's here all the way down here because because he had to see his kid, right? Anyway, so glad, Marlon, you're here. Thank you for being here. But imagine what would happen if we understood that Jesus really cares. And instead of, instead of, like, blaming God or sort of kind of, I'm going to do it all on my own, or, and you went to this place of, he cares for me. That's going to transform me. And then because he cares... You leaned into him and, and you didn't fear the change. He loves you just as you are. And he's going to transform you into the image of his son, Jesus. That's, that's how this whole thing works. And then you're going to be sent with a purpose to go and do what God has called us to do when, when we have our faith that overcomes our fear. It will change you. It'll change your family. It'll change this church. It'll change that city. Would you receive the benediction?
go. Go and be a people who understand the amount of love that Jesus has for you and what he wants to teach you through the storms of your life. Go and be a people who are encouraged that the change that Jesus has for you is for your good and not for your evil. Go and push back the darkness and be sent on mission to tell the world of the hope you have. Go, push back the darkness and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.